0: Welcome to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center. My name is Pat Horn. Today I'm really excited to bring you a topic that is one of my favorites, discussing fossils. So join me as I present today's episode titled, A Tale of Two Mastodons. Well actually I will have some information about a third mastodon as well, but hey, it's one of my favorite topics and I like the title, so cut me some slack. To begin with, I want to clear something up. That is, what is a mastodon and what is a woolly mammoth? Most visitors to the museum, upon seeing the large, hairy, elephant-like creature in front of our Coming to the Lakes exhibit, exclaim, Ooh, a woolly mammoth! However, what they're really looking at is a mastodon, Michigan's state fossil. While at a glance, mammoths and mastodons look very similar, there are several key differences. And while, yes, these creatures share an ancestor, they're not as closely related as you might imagine, being closer akin to third or fourth cousins genetically. The biggest difference between these ice age giants is in their mouth. Woolly mammoths were grazers who typically ate grasses. Because of this diet, mammoths had flat teeth that are similar to modern-day cows and horses. Mastodons preferred to eat bark, however, and things like branches, pine cones, and small shrubs. With this diet, they needed to grind up their food, and so mastodons had bumpier teeth, much like our molars. With these diet differences, mammoths and mastodons prefer different habitats, with mastodons being found in scrubby forest areas and mammoths preferring plains. Another difference is in size. In general, mastodons stood around 10 foot tall, while mammoths reached height closer to 12 foot. Mastodons had a flat back with a small hump behind their head, while mammoths' backs are at an angle, with their head being the high point, and their back sloping downwards toward the tail. Another noticeable difference is in their tusks. Mastodon tusks tended to have less curve and pointed straight away from their bodies, while mammoth tusks curled inward towards their face. While both called Michigan home, mastodon remains are found in a much greater number in Michigan than woolly mammoth remains are. Today I will tell you the story of two of those mastodons found right here in West Michigan. Well, as I said earlier, three mastodons really. Our first mastodon story takes place in Moreland Township outside of Vervana. It is October 26, 1904 and a farmer named C.L. McKay is plowing up his field to get ready to plant some winter wheat. As he is plowing, his plow hits some large stones, which he moves out of the way and sets aside. In the meantime, his father comes to visit. While there, the younger McKay plows up what distinctly this time was not a stone, but rather a large bone. The two McKays at this point took the stones that had been found and washed them in the nearby pond, which revealed the stones to not be stones at all, but rather large teeth about eight inches long and four inches across. With this discovery, the two men got digging and uncovered more bones, including vertebrae, tusk, and a skull. The bones were all cleaned and then moved in front of McKay's house. Word of this incredible find soon spread, and onlookers and reporters alike descended to the farm. A newspaper story in the Grand Rapids paper the next day then came to the attention of the Kent Scientific Museum now Grand Rapids Public Museum, and they sent two staff members to investigate the bones and potentially buy them for the museum. It was these workers who identified them as mastodon bones and saw that McKay had made quite a discovery. The bones were purchased by the museum for $50, a sum near $1,500 today. They were loaded on a stone sled and brought to the train station where they were put on and then delivered to Grand Rapids. The museum was not done though, as they wanted to dig around to see if more could be uncovered. They returned to the McKay farm ready to dig, except there was a problem. While they understood the deal as including the rights to dig more bones out, McKay did not and was not happy about the delay it might cause in his winter planting. In the end, another $25 secured the rights for the museum to dig out more of the bones and a nearly intact mastodon was found, minus three of its leg bones. Upon examination, it was discovered that this mastodon had most likely fallen into what at the time was a bog and then could not escape it. With an almost intact skeleton, the Kent Scientific Museum decided to display it using leg bones from a mastodon found in Florida to complete the display. The mastodon was on display then from 1905 up until near the turn of the century when a new museum was built along the Grand River. At this time, the bones were deteriorating and so they were taken off display for conservation, a process which continues today. You can still see the bones though in the museum's online database. If you check in the description, there will be a link to see these bones. Before we get to our other mastodon story, I do want to briefly mention another mastodon that was found in Muskegon County. This one was found in Fruitport by William Krenn in 1933 while he was working on a highway near his farm. Kren would discover tusks, teeth, ribs, and a few other fragments during his exploration. These bones were kept in the family and have been brought out from time to time. Through the decades they have started to disintegrate though. The teeth, however, were set in concrete and this helped maintain them, which still allowed the remains to be examined when a mastodon expert visited Muskegon for a lecture. The last mastodon that I want to talk about was discovered just outside of Muskegon County in Rothbury. This mastodon was discovered in September of 1963 when Adrian, or Ed, Halls, decided to build a trout pond. While the pond was being dug by a shovel crane, the operator scooped up a load of soil that happened to contain the skull of a mastodon. A tusk and another part of the skull was also found. At this point, Ed had the digging stopped so the fossils could be looked at more closely and so the area could be explored more. Ed also called his son who is at the University of Michigan to let him know of his discovery. His son made some calls and got in contact with a Dr. Roland Baker of Michigan State University who came and identified the remains as those of a mastodon. Further digging would continue and unearth several more pieces. Halls decided to put the fossils on display in his front yard, and soon word spread and visitors started pouring in. On one day, the family counted 2,000 visitors, and groups showed up, including several different schools. Miss Halls said of the number, "I've never been so amazed." She also joked, "Never again, I hope, will this happen." Once the mastodon was fully recovered, the next question was what to do with it. Per Michigan law, the fossil belongs to the owners of the land they are found on. In this case, the Halls family. The family originally kept the bones and enjoyed many visitors, but over 20 years after the discovery, the decision was made to part with them. Suitors for the fossils included both Michigan and Michigan State University and also Hope College. But after a visit to the Halls family by members of the board and staff of the Muskegon County Museum, the Halls decided that the bones would remain close by and they were donated to the Muskegon County Museum, now the Lakeshore Museum Center, for display. If you happen to want to see these fossils, they are currently on display in the Michigan from the Depths of Time gallery at the museum. You can also see what a real life mastodon would have looked like if you visit the Coming to the Lakes gallery in the museum. And of course, I couldn't forget the newest megafauna statue in town, that of Moxie the Mastodon located at the museum's front entrance. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.